All right, so the epistle of Paul to the Romans was written to a church that was in Rome. And this church, it was hurting. This church was suffering. But it was enduring. Through all their suffering, through all their pain and hardship, they endured. And this letter was meant to ease their spiritual, theological, relational, and perhaps even their physical anguish by offering the clearest articulation of the good news of Jesus Christ. The clearest articulation, in, I think, in all the scriptures, in all the Bible, is the letter to the Romans. Uh, the articulation of the hope of salvation by grace through faith. That no matter what they're going through, no matter what theological disputes may be coming up, no matter how you view people in your church or people outside your church, you are saved by grace through faith. And though the Roman church, and today even our own, though this church faced many trials from within and without, their greatest need has been met. Their greatest need has been fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. And so they have a hope in this life. They have a reason to continue to endure, to fight till the end. <coughs> However, it's here at verse 10 of chapter 8 that the Apostle Paul makes a sort of concession. He sort of, I guess, um, well, what does he say? He says this. The concession he makes is this. The body is dead body is dead. What is the concession he's making? He's saying, though we have achieved salvation by grace through faith, though Jesus has accomplished life for us, you're going to die. You will die. You will die though you have been saved. You will die because you yet inhabit a mortal body, a mortal fleshly body, and you live in a mortal and passing world. And even for the Christian, the one who hopes in Christ's resurrection, death is the inevitable reality of our experience <coughs> and our dwelling here on earth until Christ comes again. This reality that we will die, that death still exists. This reality pervades not only with respect to the passing away of the body, but also to the effects of sin, uh, to the effects of death, which is sin, and the effects of death and its consequences. It's not just that our bodies die, it's not just that our bodies fail us, but that because death has entered the world through Adam, it brings along with it all of its buddies and all of its friends. And so, death and all that death entails surrounds us like an itchy jacket. If we are not dying, then we are hungry. We are thirsty. And if we're not those things, then we're lonely, or we're unsatisfied, or we're depressed, or worse. And not only that, <coughs> not only do we feel the effects of death that yet exists and yet even reigns in the mortality of this world in our own lives, but we bring death 
upon one another. Not only does death still reign in us, death, we bring death to one another. <coughs> what does our Savior say in Matthew 5, verse 21? He says this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother uh, will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and then rem there remember that your brother has... Uh, oh, never mind, I'm reading too much. Okay, so um, it's not that we're going around killing one another, but how often do we murder one another in our hearts when we are angry with each other? When we tear down the image of God in one another, the imago Dei in each other, and we tear that down, we rip it to pieces in our own hearts, so that the monsters that we make of one another resemble the monster that lives in you. How often do we tear down and bring death, not only to ourselves, but to one another? And indeed, if we do not have the spirit of Christ in us, we are not simply dying, but we are dead. If we do not have the spirit of Christ in us, we are dead. We are completely and utterly dead dead in our sins and trespasses, dead in our hateful and vindictive hearts, dead in our active disobedience to God's word and God's law. Whoever and anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him and instead belongs to Adam. What does Paul say in Romans 5? <coughs> he says this, in verse 12 of chapter 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. When we do not belong to Christ, and we do not have the Spirit of Christ in us, we belong to the failure and death-bringing of Adam. We are subject to the hopelessness and the condemnation that is justly due to us if we are not in the spirit and we are in the flesh. But thanks be to God, you, however, as Paul says to the Romans and today he says to you, church, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. You are not in the, in the flesh. You are in the spirit. You, however, do not belong to Adam, but you belong to Christ. You are not dead in your sins and trespasses, but you are alive in the righteousness of the Son of God. No longer are, you, are we slaves to death and all of his friends, but we are tethered to Christ and all of his benefits. When the father looks upon his son and he says, in you I am well pleased, that is what he is saying to us, if indeed the spirit of Christ reigns in us. No longer does sin have a hold of you because we can kill 
the power, the, we can, uh, no longer does sin have a hold of us because we are killing sin through the power and promise of the Holy Spirit. We can live a life that is pleasing to God because we are no longer dead, but we are alive. Alive because of Jesus' righteousness that has been made our own. Christ takes our sin, takes our death, and we take his righteousness, and we take his life. Christ takes our death, Christ takes our sin, and we take his righteousness, we take his life. What a deal. Black Friday cannot touch it. Therefore, wrapping up, though we yet live in dying bodies, among dying people, in a dying world, our hope is not in this world, and our hope is not even in the world to come. We're always thinking, oh, the end goal is heaven. The end goal is the life after this one. Not really. It's coming, and we, sh- we should be glad that it's coming, but our ultimate hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the one who makes all things new. The one who is bringing about this heaven for us. The one who will put an end to the oldness of death. Who will put an end to the effects and the friends of death and sin. He will put an end to death and suffering and wipe every tear from our eyes and bring about a newness of glory and joy but it's Jesus who will do it. And so just to wrap, it up, wrap us all up for realsies, let me read to you what it is we have hope in. And we'll end with this. Therefore, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice and the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that though we were yet dead, and though we were your enemies, you died for us so that we would no longer be dead, but we would be made alive in your grace and in your love. And so, Father God, when we put our hope in that, though we are surrounded by suffering, though we experience so much anguish in our life, may we not look within to that suffering, but look without. Look to the cross. Look to the one who has suffered for our sake so that we may have life in him. Father, we trust in your unending love for us. And so, Lord, we trust you even when things get hard, things get tough. We know that it's not simply some future heaven that we're looking towards, but we're holding on to you who lives with us, who is with us even now. As we take of, your, uh, as we take of the bread and drink of the cup, would we remember the sacrifice that you have made of yourself for our sake? In Jesus' name I pray.